Hey everybody, welcome back to Purpose and Jai Conversations, the podcast. Um, a lot has changed since we last spoke. This is our first episode in our new home. In a new space, There's, baby, in a new space. So much has changed. There's so many good things happening around us, so much for us to be grateful for. Oh my gosh. Um, it feels good. Let me just say, before you get started with the whole thing, it feels so good to be in a place where we can wake up in the morning, we feel good about where we are, we feel good about what we're doing every day, we feel good about the work that we're putting in. I mean, this is like just from a raw emotion standpoint, man, this is awesome because it's just one more step in the journey going to the next plateau, to the next plateau. So it's our I'm first excited. place together that we picked out. I yep. was my last place for 11 years, but we'll do a whole nother episode talking about the move, what ultimately led to the move and the whole process of it. And that'll be a whole nother episode. Today, we actually wanted to talk about um, to, or are you laughing? I can't stop laughing. I'm, I feel He's good happy. about being in this place, yeah. man. We got so much. That, we're not even done unpacking yet. If, you, if we turn this camera yeah. around, woo, we're just staring at boxes. Pretty bad, guys. I tell you that much right now. Pretty bad, but it's okay. No, it's not bad. It's good. <laughs> it's good. I'm All right. glad. So, what is today's topic? What are we talking about today? So, today we're talking about how to deal with or dealing with shame and guilt that comes with culture and religion okay and the interesting thing that you guys are going to get in this episode is that even though him and i are from completely different backgrounds he can relate to this too we were both raised in religious households different religions but when we sometimes share our collective stories about our upbringing and just different things of the foundation on which we were raised we don't we always say there's so many similarities yeah i definitely think that there were um particularly in terms of how those religions and the the cultural the cultural specific things within those religions um basically sometimes it in my opinion from my experience don't let you have the freedom to kind of figure out what you want your path to be in life so i know for you growing up muslim there were a certain set of rules and standards that were passed down from generation to generation that basically said, you can do this, you can't do this, this is bad. And if you go anything outside of these lines, there's a lot of just, pressure like, attached to like that. You're basically told that you're going to hell. So you live in this constant fear mm -hmm. from an early age of doing wrong. I know I did. Um, for me too, like it wasn't even just the culture was also really loud. Like a lot of the decisions that what were made. What do you mean made, by loud? Like a lot of the decisions that were made around how I was and was not allowed to exist also traced back to the culture. Mm -hmm. Like religion and culture were like hand in hand. So right. for example, me being a brown girl, I know that there's going to be brown girls watching this. They can say they were like, I wasn't allowed to have guy friends. I was definitely not allowed to date. I was expected to have an arranged marriage. I wasn't allowed to be an actress. I used to have to sneak out of the basement window just to go hang out with girlfriends. Like normal stuff that normal people my age would be allowed to do. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, you know, it wasn't, <clears throat> I really wasn't the sneaking out type. I think for me, it was more so like, you know, you're a Christian, so you can't listen to rap music. Like I remember yeah. I just had like 
because I was going back to the old place the other day. I didn't even tell you this. I was just going back to the old place the other day to just kind of finalize some things. Yeah. And I was literally playing Tupac Hit Him Up as I was driving in the car to the old place. I don't know why. It, that is, and then Gangsta Rap Made Me Do It by Ice Cube. So I was playing both of those songs, right? That's the mindset. So I'm driving, back so I'm driving back over there. Yeah. And I'm remembering in my mind, I was like, you know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I had a great grandfather. His name was Granddaddy Bone. Granddaddy Bone, um, I, and I still, I don't to this day, I have no idea what his name was. We just called him Granddaddy Bone. Granddaddy Bone. He's old. He was old, old, old. He was on my dad's side of the family. Did you I think. meet him? Yeah, I met him. Okay. I met him a whole bunch of times. He always just give us candy and stuff like that. It was very good candy or that cheap candy that, that cheap, we're talking about. That cheap candy. <laughs> um, the ones in the gold, the little gold candy <laughs> with the gold wrapper around it, the cheap candy that you always find Ooh, in certain the ones that had like the strawberry design on the outskirts that too, of it. That garbage too. So anyway, but Granddaddy Mo, he was cool for the most part in terms of my interactions with him. But I remember like he had gotten really, really old, and this was like like ninety six or something. So I had to be like five or six years old, and they had this cookout, and like the whole family was there. But my parents were like always super Christian, and everybody else was kind of like, you know, uh. You know, we believe in Jesus, but at the same time, like, we're going to live our lives and have fun and do what we want to do, right? And I remember going out there, and Granddaddy Mo, he had to be, like, 89 or something. He had to be some wild old age. He had, like, a cane and stuff. And they turned Tupac, hit him on up. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they they turned on Tupac, hit him up, right? Mm -hmm. And it was blasting out. This is, like, a new song. And, <laughs> and um, you know, the dancers take money, you know, in the background, and I remember him getting up, he had the cane and he like literally like dropped the cane and just was like dancing in the middle of the thing or whatever it is, the Tupac hit him up. And I, I got up and I wanted to dance too. Cause I was like, oh, I really like this song. And I remember my mom like snatching me by the shirt and being like, you can't go over there. You can't do that or whatever it is, yeah. dance to that. And she like gave me like the dirtiest look. So that is my memory. When it comes to listening to Tupac hit him up, that's what I think of. Well, it's funny. My mom snatching me up and be like, There's so many You're like, Christian, you can't dance to that. Regular songs, like regular old school songs that I'll play. And I'll be like, Sam, you don't know this artist? Sam, you don't know this song? And he'd be like, No, we weren't allowed mm -hmm. to listen to. You guys, they weren't allowed to listen to anything. What is it? Secular? Is that the word? Uh, worldly. That's what they well, call okay. it in the, in the black community. They call it worldly. Yeah. Um, so for so us, like anything that was not Christian, like we listen to the Canton Spirituals. The Jackson Southern Airs, Mighty Clouds of Joy, country ass people from from Mississippi that my dad grew up in. That's what we listened to. What did you listen to that pretty much See, was it like religious no, no, music no. or were you allowed to listen to other things? We were allowed to listen. That's the thing. Like if you're not from where I'm from, you might think you might have this preconceived notion. We were like still American slash Canadian Pakistani family. Like mm -hmm. my mom worked. My mom wore skirts and dresses and heels, you Lipstick. know. Yeah, we were allowed to wear makeup. Um, Not in Church of God of Christ. <laughs> Go ahead. No, but like, it was, um, there was different strict rules. I will say, what I learned to appreciate was that compared to like other family members, my parents were pretty decently open, but then they were strict when it came to okay, well, this isn't allowed. So why? So why not? Why do you think not music? Like, why were you Muslim but still not like you're allowed to like listen to like music that was not in service to God? Because we did. No, we did. That's all we could listen. No, to. we listen to religion music too. It's like I think they were called Gazas. I could be wrong, and they would be reciting the Quran, which we grew up listening to and we loved. We were also 
growing up on Bollywood though, mm -hmm. and there was dancing. But did your mom like listen to Michael Jackson and stuff in the car? And My all mom that kind of stuff? did actually, which I found out later in life. There was parts of them that they kept hidden that we didn't even know about until we got older. Yeah, that's crazy. Because when he passed away, my brother and I took her. She wanted to go see the documentary. This is it, the mm -hmm. last documentary you yeah. heard about it. And she said that back in Pakistan, her and her cousins used to listen to him on tape, or was it vinyl back then? I can't remember. That's crazy. But I mean, the strict. Okay. The strictness came from there was expectations of us, which mm -hmm. I think you can relate to as well. There was, I have family members who had arranged marriages who were in my immediate family. I've had, I mean, obviously there's the big one. Like I was basically disowned, only have one relationship with one family member for choosing to be with you. And there was so much pressure that I carried and there was so much guilt for years and you know this. A lot of that only seemed to dissipate when I probably met you. Mm -hmm. I think you can attest to that. Mm -hmm. And I think it was about... Just well, I, I, I do want to cut you off for a quick second because even when you said the, the disowning thing, like, for the most part, that is true. But at the same time, there was a little bit of disowning that was happening before then because... You I was had, already on the you outskirts. Had, you yeah. had issues with, like, going home. People want you to fake your age and all this yeah. other kind of stuff. So to me, like what happened with us was inevitable no of course because, because unless unless you married a pakistani muslim it was inevitable because no of course you know. i mean they were already really mad when i said i wanted to be an actress i said that when i was five years old and there was like it's a phase you know mm -hmm. my grandmother said that actresses are considered prostitutes and that i was never allowed to represent our family in that way and she yeah. said it to me when i was really young in pakistan but the way that i carried that shame and that guilt it was internal and I, I, I was never, I, I was always confused and I had this internal battle in the sense of I'm pretty conservative. I'm not out here abusing drugs. I'm not, you know, out here doing all kinds of stuff that would be labeled, you know, just wild. I was so like, to Americans, like to my American friends, I was boring. I was a homebody and I was not fun. I don't drink, you know what I mean? Like I didn't do any of that stuff. So it was this internal battle of, why is it that I'm not accepted for who I am? Because even leaving home, you guys, was really hard. I was guilted. I was shamed for leaving home. It was, well, if, if your dad gets sick, it's on you. You know what I mean? And it's like, don't blame that on me. That's on his choices that he's made. So then you carry that and then you get the calls every so often of, well, if you were here or, you know, they tried to stop me from leaving when I left home first time to go pursue my acting career. Right. So... How I eventually dealt with it, you guys, because this is like the most common question that I get asked. It took time and it was this long and it still can be this strenuous process. I mean, I don't think I carry any of that now because I feel so free. Mm -hmm. And I think you can also attest to how right. you see me show up today right, versus five years ago when you met me. But it was about a choice of, I have older siblings and I think they made mistakes. And so it helped me to kind of then do my thing. I think it always helps when you have older siblings, right? Because the light is on them in a different way. I mean, I I was I was the uh, I was a trailblazer in my family. I was like, too. I, no, I, I was took, too. But I, you know, we no, were. No, I I took the ass whoopings. Like for doing stuff outside of the box or outside of the room. Like those ass whoopings fell on me, which is the reason why, as I got older, there was less care and less concern for what it was that I was doing. Siblings. Oh, for you. For what I was doing, because yeah. it's just like, well, he's just gonna do it anyway. So, yeah, you know, he's came, just going to say what he's going to say anyway. They came to that point with me um, 
but then there was still a lot of like you said they wanted me to lie about how old i was what i was doing in la because they were always so concerned with how we came across looking to people because they had this brown pakistani daughter who left home without being married mm -hmm. and if I could just give an answer, because I really want to get to this, because I know there's so many girls who DM me, women, and they want to know, like, what... Guys, I wish I had one straightforward answer. I don't. What I will say is, it came to... When it came to my older siblings making mistakes, they were also the ones who taught me, hey, mom and dad chose their life. They lived their life. They made their decisions of how they wanted their life to go. In our culture, we know we are made to feel like we are here to serve our parents. That's not why we're here. Sorry, this is not going to go over well with a lot of people. This is why I got labeled like bad, quote unquote. But I'm not here to live for anybody else. I'm here to live for me. God put me here to walk in purpose of what my life is supposed to mean while I'm here. And I can't live it for anybody else. So recognizing that first and foremost was how slowly I started dissecting the shame and the guilt that they try so hard to like force upon you. And I also want to say, give yourself grace. I say that all the time because you're trying to unlearn and undo something that's been ingrained in you from like before you were even born. You're yeah. fighting against so for, much. For me, for me, um, it was more so like I abandoned everything and then I decided on my own that I was going to figure out what was going to work best for me. Um, I've always been under the belief system that you don't need a book to tell you that it's wrong to take somebody else's life. You don't need a book to tell you that you certain things steal. are, yeah, you you just don't you hurt don't, people. You, you don't need a book to tell you those kind of things. And then once I got to that mind state, I kind of abandoned the, the whole entire thing, um, you know, from a Christian standpoint anyway, which I really don't, it's a whole nother topic. We'll get onto that in another episode, but I really don't feel like. Christianity was right for me as a black American, but we'll, we'll discuss that later. But everybody has their own ways of dealing with it. I think that your way of dealing with it is very thoughtful in terms of how you're saying that you had to just basically live for yourself. Because like I said, for me, I just couldn't take the pressure or the feeling every day of feeling like the minute I make a mistake, Jesus is going to come back and crack the clouds and yeah. I'm just going to be burning to hell. I was always afraid of going to hell. Like that was like my biggest fear. And I was mm -hmm. told they make it seem like, first of all, they contort the holy books and they make you they tell you things that fit their narrative that's not even in the book right to try and get you to just do what they want you it, to it do becomes control, it becomes control. mom and pop religion as opposed to what the hell is actually you know, it's book. about control and so for me like i said um i knew in my heart that the way i was living was righteous based on my morals and standards and that I was not as bad as everyone tried to make me out to be for years. And that was something that I had to come to terms with um, through time and just having like real conversations. I had a lot of them with you because there was times where I'd say like, why don't they show up for me or love me in the way that I think I deserve to be as a daughter or mm -hmm. as, a, as a whatever my relationship is with whoever in the family. And you would always tell me, you're like, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, there was that constant reminder. It's, it's really just getting to that point of understanding that your life is your own, like you said earlier. And we have to live in the truth that we are and not try to fit the mold of predecessors before. But I think that, I, like, with that being said, I feel like that's a good note for us to end it on for today. Um, thank you guys so much for actually coming by and checking out the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. I appreciate your support um, so much, you guys. Like yeah. every 
every click, every conversation. It all helps. So grateful. It all helps. So grateful. So please subscribe if you're on YouTube, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as well. Please follow the podcast. It really helps us out. Um, and it helps Birdie get more treats because the more <laughs> we do on the podcast, the better he feels. So thank you guys so much once again for watching. And as always, we are wishing you well on your journey.